Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Uh, a special prayer request for Stephanie's daughter's mother-in-law who had just went through surgery and is still not awake. As in, apparently they're having trouble getting her awake. So we'll pray for her now as well for the start of our message. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Indeed, you are worthy. You are a God that specializes in what we see, impossible things, but there is no impossibles for you. And so we lift up your daughter here this, this, um, this morning after surgery, having problems waking her up. But Lord, we pray that your healing hand may be upon her. Whatever is going on, you take care of it so that she can be awake, that uh, the surgery is successful, and that she can glorify you for what you have done in her life. And so we thank you ahead of time for what you're doing right now for this uh, this lady that's uh, having pr- problems awakening her. And thank you, Lord. And also, Lord, as we open your word, we pray for uh, your spirit to give us the understanding that you want us to have today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you may remember this story. It was uh, a live, uh, a nationally televised drama that gripped the nation. After 58 hours of being stuck 22 feet underground after having fallen in a well behind her aunt's house, Jessica Morales, who became known as Baby Jessica, was finally rescued on October 16, 1987. Any of you remember that? Some of you remember that. I was too young for that, so I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> a nice try. I stand by it. (laughs) Well, it was a rescue plan that took 50 hours longer than anticipated. There was many rescuers involved, lots of money that was used to to rescue. But, you know, at the end, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. And what a joy for the parents. What a joy for the rescuers. And what a joy for the nation that was glued to the TV at that time, watching when they brought baby Jessica out of that well. In fact, they made a movie about this, if I remember correctly. Some of you know that in my previous life, I was a paramedic. And I will tell you from experience, there is a a feeling that's sort of indescribable when one is involved in helping somebody that needs to be rescued. It's, uh, you know, some of the images in my mind of of different situations, um, like the six-year-old girl who... Um, the uh, firefighters uh, were battling this raging fire. She, they, you know, her and her siblings were trapped and, uh, and in the basement, and uh, the firefighter was able to get her out. And it was sort of like a movie. You know, the firefighter had her in his arms, and he's running toward me, and he gave her to me. And I put her in the ambulance, and, and, and being able to, to work with in her and stabilize her and know that she did well afterwards. Like the image of my friend Pete Minch, Pete was um, a lieutenant in our fire station. He was an avid exercise enthusiast, and he had this, um, this contraption where you lay and then you flip yourself upside down, so the head's down. It's supposed to be good for your back. But the contraption that holds them in place, the feet in place, gave way, and so he fell head down, you know, on top of his head, and immediately was paralyzed. Um, Luckily, my partner and I were in the fire station at that time when this happened, so we immediately were there. We were able to stabilize them, prevent further injury, and perhaps even death. 
It's like the time we broke the door of the bathroom down because you know, we were told that the, a teenager was committing suicide or had committed suicide, and so we broke the door down. A young teenager who had uh, taken an electrical cord, wrapped it on the door handle, and uh, you know, hung himself, but we were able to get him out of that and work on him and bring him back, as it were, and what a joy it was when we saw him several years later doing quite well. Amen. Yeah. Any of you have ever had need to be rescued? Any of you have ever had to call 911 for something and, and been able to help? You know, you know it, it's, it's a great feeling for the rescuer, but the person that's being rescued, I imagine those stories that Lucy said about those that were being rescued by animals, how they felt, the joy they felt, and the relief they felt after being rescued. You know, I remember at least two times, one as a child, one as a teenager, where I almost drowned. And um, somebody rescued me. What a relief it was when I was rescued. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I know that I'm a bit biased, but um, I think we should be very thankful for our first responders, those who dedicate their lives to, to help out. Firefighters, paramedics, police, uh, um, nurses, doctors, who are, uh, especially during this last year, who has been there day after day, when you should be thankful for them. You know, one of the things we used to talk about uh, when I was a paramedic, is job security. Because, you know, there's always going to be people who get sick. There's always going to be people who, get, who need to be rescued. Like Lucy says, sometimes people do dumb things, and they need to be rescued from their dumb things. And there's always people like that. And so, so this need to be rescued is, is always true in the physical realm, but it is also true in the spiritual realm as well. The Bible talks about Jesus and his mission, in the book of Luke. So I invite you to book, uh, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Our scripture reading was verse 10. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. And we'll be reading verse 10. You see it there on the screen as well. This is from the New King James Version. The Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This passage is basically telling us that Jesus came to this world in a search and rescue mission. He came to seek and to save. Now this word save, very interesting, this word save in the Greek is the word sozo. Can you say that with me? Sozo. Yeah, the word sozo. Now, this word is, in, is interesting because, as we'll see today, this word sozo uh, uh, shows two aspects of salvation that it's important that we understand. Two aspects of salvation. So, Luke chapter 19, that opens, uh, chapter opens with the story of the conversion of Zacchaeus. You remember the story of Zacchaeus, right? Uh, uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And as such, tax, uh, 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 back in those days, tax collectors were, were considered the scum of the universe. Yeah, they, they certainly were bad people. They, they were considered that because it, what was happening is that the, the tax collector worked for the Roman government, so they were seen as traitors. They worked for the Roman government to collect taxes on, on their own people. 
But uh, what they would do, apparently, is that they would collect more than needed. So say, for example, a family owed $100 in taxes. Well, here comes the tax collector and charges them $150. So they would pocket the rest of it. And so these tax collectors were wealthy people, but you know, they were wealthy because they were really stealing from his people, and so, from their own people. So they, 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 they hated him. Nobody uh, liked a tax collector. Nobody, uh, a tax collector had no hope. They certainly could, couldn't be saved. Everybody didn't, and nobody really liked the tax collector. You know, sometimes, you know, history repeats itself. You know, it's the same today, isn't it? How many of you like the IRS? Some of you know that in the early 90s, I used to work for the IRS. I was an international business tax examiner. And um, I remember, of course, you know, I... I was always on the phone with people, and more than one time, I was cursed. People cursed at me. It's funny how people react to you when they know you work for the IRS. You know, if you're in some kind of gathering and people are, are you introduce yourself and you're asking people, well, you know, what do you do, that kind of thing. Oh, oh what, is, what is your name? Oh, my name is Bob. Oh, well, how, what do you do, Bob? Oh, you know, I'm a cop, or uh, maybe I'm a, a doctor. Oh, very interesting, very interesting. And, and what is your name? Well, my name is Nelson, and what do you do? I work for the IRS. And all of a sudden, there's silence will take a step back. I can relate to Zacchaeus. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. There was no hope for a man like Zacchaeus. It was impossible for a man like Zacchaeus to be saved. Now, it's no, it's no coincidence that Luke narrates the story of Zacchaeus in chapter 19, because in chapter 18, we read the story of the rich young ruler. Now, uh, uh, in, in, in Bible times there, in the times of Jesus, it was believed that rich people had the blessing of God. Yeah, God liked these people. They were good people. They were godly people. That's why they were rich. And so they, they, a rich person, because he had God's favor, certainly would be in the kingdom of heaven. A poor, a poor person, on the other hand, well, you know, that person was being cursed by God. So that person, there was no hope for that God. This is why Jesus actually uh, uh, uses a parable of the rich man and Lazarus in, 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 in a few ver- chapters before. Because he makes that contrast, you know, the rich man was, happens to be in hell, and that's impossible. So here is the rich young ruler, a man that is rich, certainly had the favor of God. But we read in chapter 18 that he rejected the invitation of Jesus. He rejected Jesus' invitation uh, because we're told the reason he did it is because he was rich. He had so, too many possessions. He didn't want to part from these, which prompts the words, if you go one chapter over in chapter 18, verses 24 and 25, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that it is impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He says it's hard, but not impossible. You know, uh, some people, of course, you know, the reason I suppose it's hard is because some people don't want to part from their possessions. You know, they think these things are more important. Now, considering that in, in those times a rich person was, uh, was considered to have the favor of God, surely that person would be saved. Now Jesus says, hold on, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, which prompts the question in verse 26. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? You know, if a rich person if, that has God's favor is going to be hard to make it in the kingdom of God, what, what hope is there for us? 
I'm thankful that that's not the reason people are saved, because how, how rich they are, because all of us would be doomed, now would we? Yeah, so, so you know, he, they ask, who then can be saved? Who then can be rescued? The word that is used there is sozo, saved. Who then can be rescued? Jesus answers in verse 27, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Well, you know, I tell you what, we can just repeat that passage a couple of times and go home. Because there, there may be some things in your life right now that you think are, are impossible. Maybe it's a financial matter. Maybe it's a, a, a family issue, a relationship. Maybe it's some kind of disease or sickness. Whatever it is, you think it's impossible. Nobody can do anything about it. But God tells us today that nothing is impossible for him. He can take care of it. And we see this in the story of Zacchaeus because, remember, Zacchaeus is a rich person who is rich because of dishonest, because he was stealing, so there was no hope for him. We see the rich man, uh, the young rich ruler in chapter 18, he rejected Jesus' invitation. He probably won't be in the kingdom of God because he rejected Jesus' invitation. But now here we have Zacchaeus, another rich Man, but in, in this case, Zacchaeus humbled himself before the Lord. He did not let his wealth to come in before him and God. He accepted Jesus, repented of his sins, and Jesus says of him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Here's the impossible, friends. It's impossible for a man like Zacchaeus to be saved. But Jesus said, No, no, no. Here, salvation has come to this house. You see, Zacchaeus realized that he was in trouble. He realized he was in trouble. He realized that he needed to be rescued, and he relied on the only one who could do the rescuing, Jesus. And we can expect to see Zacchaeus in the kingdom of heaven. We can expect to see him there because Jesus rescued him from his sins. So when we think about this word sozo, this word sozo, the two aspects of the salvation process. The first aspect is very, is, is very important, the salvation or rescue from our sins. God rescues believers from their sins, from their destruction, and takes them into their safety. But now, in order to be rescued, in this case of Zacchaeus, he needed to realize that he was in trouble. He needed to be, realize that he needed to be rescued. We need to be, realize the same thing, friends. Amen. Realizing where we are is very important. We talked about that last week when we talked about the church of Laodicea. And one of the problems of the church of Laodicea is that they didn't know their true condition. They didn't realize that they needed to be rescued. We need to be, realize that we need to be rescued and dial 911, as it were, rescue. Jesus is that 911. He is the one who comes to rescue us. But you need to realize that you need help and seek the help. And when we seek Jesus' help, he's always there to answer the call. Amen. You know, there's a story of the, um, the World Trade Center. You're back, back in 2001 when the World Trade Center, the two towers crumbled to the ground. More than a, almost 3,000 people died that day, at least in, in the New York. Uh, New York. Um, but a few of those who were buried uh, under the rubble of the two towers actually miraculously survived. They miraculously survived. And, and two of these individuals uh, were Will Gimeno and John McLaughlin. They were a pair of Port Authority cops 
Uh, you see them there on the screen. Uh, the tall one is Will Gimeno. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but John McLaughlin is the tall one. The other one is Will Gimeno. Yeah, they were uh, cops for the Port Authority. They responded to the attacks and were at the bottom floor in the South Tower uh, when it began to fall. And so they raced into an elevator shaft and were amazingly survived the 100-story collapse around them. And they were buried under dozens of feet down in the middle of this, um, in the middle of the elevator shaft. Trapped without water, breathing smoke-filled air, they both had little hope of survival. Little hope of survival. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie World Trade Center uh, with Nicolas Cage and Michael Pena. Nicolas Cage plays John McLaughlin and Michael Pena uh, plays Will Gimeno. If you see that the scene, because this movie is basically about this story uh, about how they were trapped there under rubble, unable to move, and their comrades are, are, are died around them, and it was just a, a sad situation. They couldn't do anything about it. And yet, as they lay there, pinned under a mountain of debris, something was stirring in the heart of a man in Connecticut that they knew nothing about. Dave Carnes is his name. He had spent 23 years, see him there on the screen, he had spent 23 years um, active duty in the Marine Corps. Uh, and, you know, he was just like the rest of us. He was watching the, the news on TV. But instead of just letting this bother him, he did something about it. He told his boss, I'm not going to, he's an accountant. He told his boss, you know, I'm not going to be in for a while. He went take, took a, to the barber shop, got his Marine haircut, went home and got his uniform. Believing, you know, you know if, he, if he goes with his Marine uniform, it has some clout, they'll may, they might let him in. And so he did. He got his uniform on and, and he drove to Manhattan at 120 miles an hour, we're told. Got there, uh, uh, you know, late afternoon. When he got there, you know, all the rescuers were being told, you know, go home, come back tomorrow. But because he had his Marine uniform, they allowed him in. And so <clears throat> as he's going there, he finds another, another Marine nearby. And the two men walk the pile together, seeking to save the loss. And after about an hour of searching, they heard a faint tapping, pipes of pipes and the yelling Will and John have been trapped underneath there in, in, the, in these, uh, on the rubble for about nine hours now, completely incapable of working themselves free. And yet amid the rubble, a Marine, who earlier in the morning had been just basically working on a spreadsheet in Connecticut, this Marine found them. And of the 20 people that miraculously survived the, the toppling of the towers, uh, Will and John were among numbers 18 and 19. All because Dave Carnes took off his suit, put on his rescue uniform, and stepped into the despair and darkness of ground zero. And friends, in the same way, but to an infinite greater degree, God took off his royal robe. He stepped into the darkness and despair of our, our, of our depraved culture, and he saved us. He saved you. He saved me. We couldn't do anything about it. But he came, he, he heard your tapping, he heard your prayers, and he saved you. We were buried under the depths of the rubble of our own foolishness with zero chance of putting ourselves or freeing ourselves from our sin. And so I wonder if you are in trouble today. Do you realize that you're in trouble today? That we can't do anything to save ourselves. We are in the same boat here. But Jesus came. 
He came to rescue us. Will and John yelled and tapped the, t- uh, the pipes for nine hours because that was their only hope. And Jesus, Jesus came and took and, and, and looked for us and rescued us on the cross. The rescue was accomplished. It was completed. We can be sure of that. However, for, for many of us, salvation is something that's still in the future. In other words, we say, well, okay, I am saved. I know that I'm saved because of what Jesus did. And I'll start enjoying that salvation when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven. But while we live in this world, it's totally different. Amen. But salvation, friends, should have an impact on our, on our lives today. What does being saved mean to you? Can we live as saved people while living in this world? Should we live as saved people while we live in this world? Go to, uh, let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And in that chapter, we read the story of Jairus. Uh, Jairus, we're told, was a, 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 a ruler in the synagogue. So he was a man of, of influence. And, um, well, he, his little girl was sick. And, you know, daddy's little girl is sick. You do anything to save that daddy's little girl. And so he went and he heard about Jesus, he looked for Jesus, he found Jesus and he told Jesus' story, my little girl is sick, she, she, she's, not, she's not doing well, can you come and, and heal her? He had heard about Jesus healing people. And so Jesus said, absolutely, let's go. So they're on their way to Jairus' house. But on the way to Jairus' house, Jesus encounters a woman. And so notice verses 20 through 22, Matthew 9, verses 20 to 22, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood, for twelve years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said up to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I, may, I shall be made well. Amen. But, she turned, uh, but he, Jesus turned around, and when Jesus saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. He said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you sozo. Remember the word I just talked about? Sozo. That word that men rescued, that men saved. And in this case, it means being well, being made well. And the woman was made sozo from that hour. Medical science couldn't do anything about it. She has spent all her money in 12 years seeking to get better, but nothing improved. In fact, she was getting worse every day. Every day. She had lost all hope. And when she was at the bottom of the barrel, when she, when she was at the end of her rope, now she finds Jesus. And her extremity, she found Jesus. You know, I want you to let that sink in for a second or two. Because sometimes we let things get to the bottom of our own barrel before we seek Jesus. You know, we, when, when we are at the end, when we are on our own extremity, when we, are, when we have exhausted our resources, when we don't have any more connections, when we don't know anybody else, when we have tried so many times on our own strength, we realize, now I need Jesus, when Jesus is always there. If you were just giving him a chance, you know, at the beginning, you wouldn't be in this trouble. Anyway, she saw... Jesus surrounded by people, you know the story, you know, Jesus, all these people around, and, and, and in those days, well, women, you know, weren't, were, were sort of like second-class citizens, and so she's probably wondering, how am I going to get to Jesus? 
How am I going to talk to Jesus and tell him my story so that he will heal me? But then faith, you know, was born in her heart. And she thought, well, hold on, you know, I don't need to talk to Jesus. I don't, I don't need him to put his hand on me. All I need to do is get close enough and touch the hem of his robe. And that's enough. Friends, that's faith. That's faith. And, you know, true faith never goes unnoticed by God. Because that's all she needed. That's all she needed. Jesus didn't have to pray over her. He didn't have to touch her. The hem of the robe would be enough. Yeah. And Jesus turned around and declared her to be sozo. He declared her to be healed. Healed. Now, after the, this miracle, now Jesus and Jairus returned to their journey to, to the house of Jairus' daughter, but the delay caused by this woman and, and, and this incident will cause Jesus to be late, and that lateness caused the, the, the little girl to die. And we actually, when we look in Luke's account of the story, uh, a servant from Jairus' daughter, uh, uh, Jairus' house, meets, meet, meets him on the way and says, your daughter's dead. So think about a hopeless situation now. Don't bother Jesus, he says, uh, um, uh, because, you know, she's now dead. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Sure, he could have done something when she was alive. Yeah. But now she's dead? That's impossible. But remember, there's no impossibles for God. And so notice uh, verses 23 to 25, still in chapter 9 of Matthew. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and noise crowd wailing, he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but, but when the crowd was uh, put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Now, now, the rising of this girl from the dead is equated to being healed. Amen. We know this because in Luke's account of the story, after Jairus is given the bad news that his daughter had died, Jesus tells him in Luke 8.50, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made sozo. Amen. She will be healed. And you know, there's other examples of this. Further down in verses 27 through 29, same chapter, two blind men were healed. They received their sight. Two blind men were sozo as a result of their belief or faith in Jesus. And in Mark chapter 10, we read the story of Bartimaeus. John, Mark chapter 10, verse 52, has the same results. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Go your way, your faith has made you sozo. Sozo. And there's a common denominator in these stories this sozo, this healing, remember this is the same word that is used for being rescued and saved. This healing took place because of their faith, because of believing. Real faith produces real deliverance. I mean, think about it. The woman, the woman with a hemorrhage was really delivered from the hemorrhage. She was into good health. The blind man could really see. Jairus' daughter, could re she was really alive. Because you see, friends, this word sozo can describe our legal status as if saying, I am saved. By the way, God wants us to be sure of that salvation. 
He wants you to be sure because it's what he did for you, not because of what you're doing. It describes our legal status, I am saved, but it also describes our practical experience. We can experience deliverance right now in the here and now. And friends, that's very important. It's very important that we feel saved today. Because you see, even though we have been saved into eternity, uh, we, we have the certainty of salvation, we can live this life as defeated people. With no hope. With our heads down. Jesus loves you. I know he loves me. Jesus saved you. Yeah, I know. But right now, I, I, I don't feel saved. We feel hopeless. But that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to experience the joy of deliverance and victory right now. Amen. Not just when Jesus comes. Because think about it. What if, what if Jesus told Bartimaeus, well, Bartimaeus, you can legally see, even though you, I, I need to guide you so that you don't fall. What if he told Jairus, well, your daughter, yeah, she's legally alive, but you're being, she's being buried as we speak. There will be no hope with that. But friends, salvation happens in the here and now, not just in heaven. We don't have to wait till heaven to, to experience the joy of salvation. Salvation has something to do in our lives right now, if you believe it. If you believe it. Many people think that what Jesus produced on the cross for us only affects the eternal spiritual realm. So we sing songs, and there's nothing wrong with us with this, but you, you know the song we sing, um, When We All Get to Heaven, right? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we think about that day of rejoicing only in the future. And it'll be a day of rejoicing. There's no question about it. But that rejoicing can start right now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. No. Yeah, it'll be glorious when we go to heaven. But friends, Jesus came to deliver us, to protect us, to give us victory, to provide for us in this physical world as well. Yeah. But now some of you may be skeptical. Because you say, well, pastor, I understand all that, but I just don't feel saved. I just don't feel that I have victory. I know, I know all that, but I just don't experience it, Pastor. I just don't feel it. You know, we live in a world, in a time of feeling, where we have to feel everything. Let me share with you um, a statement from the book Steps to Christ, page 51 by Ellen White. Notice what she says. If you believe the promise... Believing or believe that you are forgiven and cleansed, God supplies the fact. Notice, you believe that you are forgiven and cleansed, God supplies the fact you are made whole. He doesn't say, she doesn't say you will be made whole. You'll, 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 you'll be made whole when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven. No, she says you are. Made whole. This is a statement of fact. Just as Christ gave the paralytic power to walk with the man. Believe uh, when the man believed that he was healed, it is if you believe. Do not feel, she says. Do not wait to feel that you're made whole. Don't wait to feel it. But say, I believe it. It is so, not because I feel it, but because God has promised. Don't wait to feel about it. You believe it because God said so, and that's enough. God's enough. That's enough. God has given you salvation. He has given you victory in the here and now. So what difference is salvation? What is difference is sozo? 
making in your life today, in the here and now? How should it impact your life? Well, Bartimaeus had it right. It says, and immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. He has given you victory. He has given you strength. He has rescued you. You were, you, were, you were going to die. You couldn't do anything about it, but he has rescued you. Are you going to follow Jesus? That's what he wants. That's what Bartimaeus did. Zacchaeus understood. Luke 19.8, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I, I give half of my goods to the poor. And I have taken, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. You see, salvation, sozo, being rescued should start impacting the way we live our lives right now and into eternity. It should also motivate us to be joyful Christians, to follow Jesus wherever he wants us to go and to do whatever he wants us to do as a way of thanking him for giving us victory, for saving us, for rescuing us. This is a reality in your life. And you can start experiencing it right now. Amen. There's a story of, um, uh, in 1989, there was an earthquake, an 8.2 earthquake, that almost flattened the country of Armenia, killing over 30,000 people in just less than four minutes. Yeah. In the midst of the devastation and chaos, a father left his wife safely in the home, and he went to search for his son in the school, where he would take him every morning. And uh, when he got there, he, he discovered that the building, the school, was flat as a pancake. After the traumatic shock, he remembered the promise he had made to his son. No matter what, I'll always be there for you. Tears began to fill his eyes. And as he looked at the pile of debris that once was the school, it, it looked hopeless. But he kept remembering the commitment he had made to his son. And so he concentrated, began to concentrate on the part of the school where he, he would drop his son every day, you know, sort of in the back of the, the building. So he went back there, and he started, he started um, digging through the rubble. And as he was digging, other, other parents started to arrive and clutching their, their chests. Oh, my son, my daughter. Other well-meaning parents tried to pull him off, saying things like, listen, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. They're all dead. You can't help them now. Let's face reality. There's nothing you can do. And to each parent, he responded, are you going to help me now? And then he proceeded to dig for his son, stone by stone. The fire chief arrived. The fire chief said, listen, listen, this is dangerous. This is unstable here. There's explosions happening everywhere. You need to go home. Let us handle it. You can't do anything about it. And he would respond, are you going to help me now? And he kept on digging. And the police showed up, told him the same thing, and he responded in the same way, are you going to help me now? No one helped. So courageously he proceeded alone, because he needed to know for sure if his son was dead or alive. So he dug for eight hours, for 12 hours, for 24 hours, for 36 hours. And in the 38th hour, he pulled back a boulder and heard his son's voice. He screamed his son's name, Armand. And he heard back, Dad. Imagine that. He said, the kid said, I told the kids, 
not to worry. I told them that if you were alive, you would save me, and if you would save me, you would save them too. You promised, Dad, no matter what, I will always be there for you. You did it, Dad. You did it. And friends, our God did it. Our God did not give up. As difficult as it was, he could have abandoned this world, but he didn't. He came for a search and rescue mission, and he accomplished the salvation. He accomplished the healing. He accomplished the victory. And it doesn't matter how you feel. Maybe you don't feel it, but don't, you don't have to wait till you feel it. Just believe it, because he said so in his word. We can start experiencing the joy of salvation right now. Don't wait till Jesus comes. Be like a saved person today. Yes, Jesus rescued me. Yes, Jesus has given me victory. This is a reality right now and into eternity. The rescue is true. 911 rescue. Jesus accomplished it. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.